Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the hour of truth, with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blake. A very warm welcome to all listeners of Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio every third Tuesday of the month. As mentioned on the last show, we are continuing to broadcast from a new platform in order to enhance the experience of all our listeners. Also, the new introductory music was composed especially for Aetherius Radio Live by well-known composer-musician Kevin Kendall, and the introductory words were spoken by Pete Higginson. We hope you will enjoy today's Aetherius Radio Live show and continue to discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium Dr. George King between 1954 and 1997. Now today, your hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze will be discussing 10 ways your psychic powers can help others. So without further ado, I hand you over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you very much, Nikki. Thank ha- you, Nikki. Hello, Richard. How are you? Chrissy, doing well. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good, so to- good. Today, as you know, I shall be interviewing you on a topic that has a tremendous, you have a tremendous lot of experience, uh, not only teaching, but also practicing this fascinating topic. Great. Well, also you do, don't you, Chrissy? You have quite a bit of experience too, I must say that. A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of experience, but not in the same way as you, I have to say. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Richard is very well known in this field of psychic powers. And today we're going to be talking about 10 ways that your psychic powers can help others. Richard wrote the book, Unlock Your Psychic Powers, which was published 30 years ago this month. It's been translated into several languages. The book itself was dedicated to Dr. George King with his permission. And it has become an international bestseller, and especially in the USA. And you're, at one point, you could find it in airports and so forth throughout the country. It's, it's amazing, actually. And I know a little bit about the publishing world myself. And believe me, to be in print for 30 years means that the book is a classic in its field which I know that it is. And Richard has also taught many, many hundreds of people in several countries to unlock their psychic powers through workshops, uh, talks, and public demonstrations over the years with many outstanding results. And he's appeared very regularly in the media over decades. And at one time, he co-hosted a show in the UK on LBC with his good friend, the late Mike Allen which frequently included psychic experiences. And that's kind of unusual in this setting. Before we get into our 10 uses of psychic powers to help others, Richard, I'd like to please ask you a few background questions, if I may. Yeah, sure. First of all, what first made you explore psychic powers and why do you think that they're helpful to people? Well, I think you'll remember, Chrissy, because you were in London at the time. I was pretty, I mean, almost obsessive about it in you know a certain period of my life. And it's not good to be obsessive. It's good in one way, but it needs to be controlled. That's, that's what I really mean. 
but I really was, and I, I explored all the avenues. And it's not something that everyone needs to do. Let me stress that. It's not a vital thing in everyone's development to do it. But I was really inspired by one particular thing, Chrissy, and I was inspired by Dr. George King in this way, in that he combined in his persona the great master of yoga with detachment, with control, with mastery, and at the same time, he advocated in the right way the development of psychic powers. And that's extremely unusual because through history, yoga traditionally and, and then the advanced yoga practices have really shunned psychic development. In fact, even the yogi that he learned from or one of the yogis he learned from before he became um, you know, before he started the Aetherius Society in his yoga days in London, uh, which was Dr. Shastri, who had a centre in Notting Hill in, in West London. That, that particular school, I don't mean Dr. Shastri himself personally, but that particular school discouraged psychic development. And yet, there he was. He also had this combination of a, a, a kind of a spiritualist background, partly from his mother and grandmother, and also the yoga training. And I think it's extremely unusual, Chrissy, because on, and it makes all the difference. Because if you have psychic ability without yoga training of one kind or another, you might call it something else, but the, 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 the training of concentration, control of the psychic energies, uh, detachment, and so forth. If you don't have that, you will not be really successful in your psychic work. In one form or another, you need that. And on the other hand, as I said, the old yoga schools, they were having psychic experiences, lights in the third eye, or what seemed to be lights in the third eye, various sounds, the conch shell, and the different other things you'll read about in Sivananda, you know, the experiences of, of dakinis or uh, life forms that they, they could see. These things were happening but they were encouraged not to pursue them, detach from them, get back to what you're really there for, which is to develop yourself, to advance yourself towards enlightenment, your own personal enlightenment. Now we're in the age of service, hence our focus in this show, really, Chrissy, which is um, how you can use this to help others. And if you are able to use this to help others, it's got to be a good thing. That really wasn't the answer to your question, I don't think, Chrissy, at all. <laughs> but um, I just thought I'd mention that. But no, how I got into it is I, I actually was fascinated and I tried all sorts of things. I settled very much, as I'm sure you'll remember, on the practice of the crystal ball. The reason I liked the crystal ball was because to me, it wasn't to do with uh, what you read about crystal gazing in, in psychic sources and so on. To me, it was always more of a Taoist kind of symbol or a Taoist symbol, if you like, uh, of the of the emptiness of in which everything exists, the vacuum in which all nature exists. It was a mystical thing to me from the beginning. Uh, but I also tried many other things, including tarot. And, you know, I, I, I wanted to develop um, these various abilities, mainly through a sort of real innate fascination. And I settled in the end on a, a mainly clairaudience, with some clairvoyance, but the other abilities always come in as well. And Richard, as you know, from your book, especially, and, and you know, generally, everybody has the ability to develop their psychic powers. But do you 
think that it's always a good thing? Actually, I don't. I don't think it's always a good thing. In fact, some very bad people have used psychic powers. So that's where I make the distinction between psychic powers and intuition. Intuition is always good because true intuition, and I know these words are used differently by different people, but what I mean by intuition comes from your higher self. It comes from your inner voice. Ultimately, it's an expression of your innate divinity, your unlimited inner potential. And it's a way of tapping into that. And if you are able to tap into that, now people can get it wrong and do, I think we all have done. And the other thing we've all done, I think, is get an intuitive impression and not listen to it. I don't think there'll be many people who will say that's never happened to me. But uh, if we can, A, recognize that, and listen to it, that will always lead us right. But psychic powers won't. Psychic powers can be used, as they should never be used, uh, to gain power over others. I've come across, I actually had to help once, a palmist who used his psychic powers with good intention, I think, to give a reading. So he wasn't a bad person. He was actually trying to help somebody. And he gave them an accurate what you might call fortune telling. He said to them, you've tried something twice and failed. You'll try tonight and this time you'll succeed. It turned out to be true, but that person uh, committed suicide. This is a terrible story. And they tried twice before. So he was accurate, but not really helpful because had he gone deeper into it, and this is something we can talk about, but there's nothing wrong in, in asking a person a question. Have you tried something twice? Then your intuition then would guide you that this is not a good thing. And it, it, without meaning to, he may have, in fact, strangely empowered that person to do it. Now, I also know of a case where somebody who was or said they were going to commit suicide was absolutely stopped by hearing uh, advice about karma. So it can go it can go both ways. But this was a, a, an example where a person was psychic, was well intentioned, wasn't helpful. So yes, it's not always good to use it. You have to learn how to use it. And that brings us back really to the to the yogic training. I call it yogic. Some people might find it to be a mystical school, but one way or another. It's got to be a training that gives you control and gives you concentration. That's absolutely vital. Thank you, Richard, for that very important example, actually. I know myself from astrological counselling that you can analyse a birth chart, but how you interpret it is the, the key, really. It's, it's the important part, obviously. And so thank you for that. Dr. King, on the topic of yoga traditions, Dr. King, as you know, gave a brilliant lecture, How to Develop Your Clairvoyant Powers. It's a real classic, and people can download it from the website, ethereus.org, if they wish. Yes. Uh, This was given in Los Angeles in 1962. Dr. King gave the lecture as a master of yoga in his own right. And as you said, Richard, this is very unusual in yoga tradition. Is there anything that you'd like to add to that? Yes, I... What I would say about that is that, first of all, that very title and that lecture, which I knew very well before I wrote my book, inspired it. It's a very similar title, How to Develop Your Clairvoyant Powers and How to Unlock Your Psychic, rather, and then Unlock Your Psychic Powers. And so, in fact, the title Unlock Your Psychic Powers was not my title. It was the publisher, actually, who wanted that title. 
so I, I, that's unusual because normally I, I, I would pick a title, but that was my first book and it turned out to be a, a very good title. But the, the concept was inspired by that lecture that you've just mentioned. And I think I can best illustrate, you know, why Dr. King would do this. I mean, he makes it clear in the lecture. It's about what we're talking about in this particular show, service to others. If it can be used in service, then use it. If it can't, then forget it, really. He was only interested in it from a service point of view. But he was very encouraging. I got started in my psychic, well before this book was written, um, in, in psychic things over 10 years before it was written by uh, actually being told off by Dr. King um, because we were in a restaurant in New York. He and Ray Nielsen, the late uh, Ray Nielsen, great friend of both of ours, and Dr. King were there for a particular event. We went into this restaurant, I think it'd be 1980, I think, and I was in my late 20s at the time. And there weren't enough tables for all three of us to sit on them. So he, he and Ray sat on a, on a table for two. They were all tables for two. And I sat on a table and there was a lady at the table. And when I sat down there, she started crying, not because she saw my face, but just because he had, <laughs> no, but she, there was, she had some problems. Um, I hasten to add that quickly. No, she had some problems and I was trying to help her and I was talking to her. And at the same time, I was developing my psychic abilities. I was already giving crystal ball readings. I probably to maybe even to you, Chrissy. Certainly, I know I did give them to Monique, his Dr. King's wife, and um, was a very good friend of mine and others. And but I hadn't really got started, except that it was developing. And you know, when you're a developing psychic, and this is something to watch out for, you're always very eager to. Um, you know, give your advice and give your impressions, which you shouldn't always do, as per the story I said earlier about the palmist. But in this case, I was trying to help her, and it looks like I was helping her, and I was identifying quite a lot of things about her life psychically that I couldn't have known. Well, the lunch came, Ray, Ray and Dr. King had finished their lunch. Dr. King came over the table, slightly irritated, said, well, come on, we're going. He saw me in a sort of deep conversation with this woman and uh, she stood up and she said dr king this man's an amazing man pointing at me so dr king looked a bit surprised and sort of said really and uh, he said yes she's, he's just given me amazing psychic reading so that's how dr king actually found out that i was doing this i hadn't told him i should have told him so the first thing he did after that was to tell me off but the second for not telling him Yes. But the second thing he did was to really, really encourage me. He said, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. That was one piece of advice he gave me early on. And that's a, something for everyone. It's very simple, but it's something to remember. And he then set me up, and you'll remember this, giving psychic readings in the Ethereum Society. I was giving them around the world, actually. And he set me up. He bought me a, he knew, they found out I used a crystal ball. He bought me a, a better crystal ball himself. And he designed the cover for it, which was made by the late Beryl um, for me, but to his design. And he really encouraged me to get going. And that's where it started. So coming back to why did he do this, I would say it's because he wanted people to realize their potential because a lot of people are suffering without knowing it from psychic frustration. And if you are 
uh, a psychic person uh, and you don't develop it, it'll, it, it will, you'll feel, without knowing why, quite frustrated. That's one reason. Another thing is it's there to be used. It's there to be used to help other people. And as long as it's done in the right way, in a controlled way, without interfering with anyone and going deep enough into it and following your intuition enough, you can really can help others in the 10 ways we're going to talk about. Thank you, Richard. There's a very interesting story told by Dr. King in his lecture on the six freedom of the nine freedoms. He gave this in 1961 in Los Angeles, which relates to this. I'd like to read the extract from this lecture in which he tells a story which I think is very significant. So this is Dr. George King. I attended a yoga lecture once. Dear little lady stood up there with a speech. It had taken about four hours to write out. I questioned her. I questioned her on that point. I said, Madam, if you've been a student of the great Shastri for all these years, why couldn't you stand up and give a speech without writing it out? She didn't answer that one. However, don't blame her if she didn't want to. Awkward people putting lecturers in difficult positions. But this is the thing I tackled her on. She said, talking about clairvoyance, she said, oh, you have to give up clairvoyance. Take no notice of it. And I was a little bit clairvoyant in those days. Not very much, but just a little bit. I said, madam, I question you on this. You have never experienced clairvoyance. She said, how do you know? I said, I'm clairvoyant enough to know, have you? She said, no. I said, therefore, you cannot give up that which you do not know, can you? Poor lady, I made her look a bit silly. However, that's the point, you see. Now, she theoretically had been told what clairvoyance was, but she didn't know what it was because she'd never experienced clairvoyance or clear vision. I was questioning her on saying, why give it up if it can be helpful? which it undoubtedly can be helpful in many ways, clear vision or clairvoyance. So why give up that which is helpful? Transmute it onto the highest plane and keep it there. What do you think, Richard? I think it's fantastic. That actually is a story uh, about the Dr. Shastri Center that I mentioned. Really? And, and after this, by the way, um, he did see Dr. Shastri, who did confirm to him that he was correct in his point that he made to the lady, who was a, a disciple of Dr. Shastri, that the woman who was speaking. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's very deep. It's a lot deeper than it appears, uh, but it's certainly true the principle of it. And you know, to go to something higher, you've got to go through the stages, just like if you want to enter, you know, samadhi. Uh, by raising Kundalini to the Christ Center, you have to go through all the centers to get there. You can't just jump straight in there. And that's part of evolution. And of course, clairvoyance is one of the, in one way or another, one of the manifestations of that evolution, that rise of Kundalini, whatever you want to, however you want to term, term it. And you can you can very quickly judge, as a matter of fact, people who claim to be enlightened, and there's a very well-known person who claims to be enlightened, and he's believed by thousands of people to be enlightened, and yet he hasn't demonstrated psychic powers in one way or another. It doesn't mean, of course, that you've got to go into it like I wanted to go into it, and did go into it. I spent thousands of hours on psychic development over the years in one way or another. You don't have to do that, but in one way or another, it will happen. 
And if you kind of stem it before it's even begun, you are blocking your evolution. You need to raise it and then, as he brilliantly says, transmute it onto the highest plane and keep it there. When I started giving, I think he's very modest, by the way, there. He says he, he wasn't very clairvoyant, just a bit. He was very, very clairvoyant in his earlier years, but he moved on. And, you know, to move on, you have to go through those stages before you can move on. Uh, I remember him saying to me when he started me off with giving the readings, he said, I, I and he, he asked me about them. And I used to tell him not about personal details about anyone, but the sort of things that I was picking up. As a matter of fact, he told me at one point to give him a reading and that I had to give Dr. King a reading, psychic reading. That was, uh, you can imagine how I felt doing that. But he did say to me that he couldn't do that now. Um, and I think that was, I think what he meant by that is he had moved way beyond that. He was, he had cosmic clairvoyance, as a matter of fact. He knew what to do. His timing was superb, pluperfect. He had certain abilities, but some of the more basic kind of things that you might do in a psychic reading, uh, he he had moved on from. He And he said he, he couldn't even do it. I, I'm sure he could if he'd put his mind to it, but his mind was then somewhere else and much higher. Thank you, Richard. Let's go back to the 10 ways that you can use psychic powers to help others. And I know, Richard, uh, you want to talk about healing. So let me read an extract from The Fourth Freedom by Mars Sector 6. As many of our listeners know, this freedom gives us steps which need to be taken to gain enlightenment, starting with physical man and then mental man and then psychic man. In these days, I may, I may need to explain that the word man was used generically in that period of history and still used today by some because it does not denote the male gender, but all people of whatever gender on earth. So just a note there. Mars Sector 6 says this. Psychic man can escape from his prison of psychic frustration by tasks such as the dispensation of energies upon a psycho-spiritual level, such as the rendering of spiritual healing. Of all tasks capable to psychic man, this is the most beneficial. Richard, what, what do you think this prison of psychic frustration is? And why do you think that dispensing energies through healing, for example, is the most beneficial psychic practice? Yeah, you know, people talk about mental repression, uh, sexual repression, emotional repression, etc. They don't talk as much as they should talk about psychic repression or frustration depending what you or repression leading to frustration they don't talk about soul repression by the way which is probably the most serious of them all and so people without realizing it are psychically frustrated because i mentioned concentration earlier and there are some people with uh particularly some people who are perhaps brilliant um researchers and scientists maybe who have tremendous powers of concentration, uh, which will lead them on to have psychic realizations. Dr. King gives the example of wine tasters, actually, who uh, are able to not only identify what kind of wine it is, what kind of region it might be, but sometimes the exact vineyard, the exact date, the exact spot. And that he believed some of those people, without knowing it, were actually practicing psychometry. Or through taste, you might call that the, the, the psychic ability of taste. To uh, uh, so they didn't know it. Now, 
because people are programmed, conditioned not to believe in psychic things in certain cases, they will then get impressions from, the, from their concentration, but dismiss them as imagination. Wrongly, they think it's their imagination, just like you have some undisciplined psychics who think they're getting psychic impressions when it is their imagination. There are some people having definite psychic impressions, which they think are their imagination. You get both. Uh, if you concentrate enough, it's going to lead there. But if you block it off, you'll get psychic frustration. So uh, most people are suffering from this, mainly without knowing it. Uh, because when they do get a psychic feeling about this, that or the other or where they should go or what they should do or what they, this sort of person might really be like, it's not what they're saying, but what are they meaning and so on. Unless they're open minded in one way or another, they'll just dismiss it uh, and just disregard it. And that will c cause inbuilt psychic frustration, just like, you know, there's an instinct. Some, a child falls over hurts at its knee, his or her knee, and a parent kind of wants to rub it better. Actually, rubbing it might be the last thing it needs, but it's an instinct to give healing. But they aren't allowing themselves to be a healer. So I think that's where the psychic frustration is coming in. Now, the dispensation of energies upon a psycho-spiritual level includes spiritual healing for sure. It, it, this is an example, spiritual healing. Another example, perhaps an even greater example, is prayer. And prayer is a great way of releasing uh, psychic frustration. We, we had a, a prayer session recently, and one of the people who came to it is a very long-standing member of the Ethereum Society called Brian Collings. I've got his permission to mention this. And he came up to pray as, as an operation prayer power. We pray at a battery. Some people will know that. Uh, but the point is he raised his hand in prayer and he was trying to focus the energy through one hand while the other one was in a mudra or hand sign. Uh, was so the other hand was in a more passive position, you might say, or receptive position. First of all, he found that one of his hands, the one that was praying, was dispensing spiritual energies on a psycho-spiritual level. That hand was absolutely cold. The other hand was completely hot. Now, I, I've, I've had that and some people have had it, but that's just the beginning of it. Then he heard the energies flowing through him. In a way, I must admit, I haven't done. I've seen them, but I haven't had that. Although clairaudience is my main thing, I haven't heard it like he described it. He described it as being as loud as a vacuum cleaner flowing through him while he was praying. So he was praying. He wasn't there to have psychic phenomena. He was there to help the world. He was praying for the benefit of the world. But in the process of doing that, he was awakening his psychic faculties. He wouldn't describe himself as a psychic, but it was just happening. And it can very much happen in healing. And healers can pick up maybe some area, and we've come across this, that they need healing, that the patient themselves may not know about. Uh, and they'll give healing as well as what the patient asked for. They'll also treat another part uh, area. And it turns out later, and this has happened to us, that that area was in need of it. They later get diagnosed and told, perhaps by a doctor or something, and then it, it turns out the healer was a right, even though they, they weren't given the information, purely by listening to their intuition and their psychic abilities. 
Thank you very much for sharing that very interesting experience with Brian, Richard. Yeah. Of course, as you say, Richard, he was concentrating on his task of praying and not on his psychic power. So that's interesting in itself, isn't it? He was, Um, yeah. Yeah. Richard, the next way you can use psychic powers to help others, I know you touched on briefly, and I wondered if you wanted to expand on that as when we is in counseling. What are the pros and cons of using psychic powers when counseling? Yeah, I, I think just before we leave the last one, by the way, Mars Sector 6 describes that as the most beneficial, by which I think he meant beneficial to others. May, rather, it might be the most beneficial to you as well, but certainly to others. It's something you can do that will really help other people, healing, prayer, and at the same time, you're awakening your own psychic abilities and releasing yourself from that psychic frustration. Yeah, counselling is one we have to be very careful with, I think. Um, When I started, uh, Dr. King, as I mentioned, set me up as a psychic consultant. And uh, one thing I learned, and I was helped in this by some guides um, as well, but one thing I did learn was you got to always be open to your intuition. I actually think that people who give psychic readings should be trained in one way or another in counselling. That's a conclusion I later came to. Uh, I think because, as per the example, it's an extreme example that I gave, and it's an anecdote. It, the man came to see me, the palmist that I mentioned, because he was distressed, uh, and I took him at his word. I wasn't there, I haven't investigated it, but this is what he, the story he told me, and he was certainly very troubled by it. Uh, and, and I was able to help him with it. Um, I'm not saying it's his fault even, but he, he may have not used his psychic powers in a counselling way. Let's put it that way. So in that regard, I think it would be quite useful to get the right type of tr- of training in counselling and when to use. One little rule of thumb I would always give, if you get a psychic impression, don't foist it on other people. Don't Tell them I'm, I'm going to, you know, some psychics do, especially when they're developing. And I think I made this mistake occasionally. They they go out un, unrequested and uh, put their psychic views and impressions onto other people. What I would do rather than that, if you get an impression, I would ask the other person if they want to know what your impression is. And if they do, tell them. If they don't, wait for the phone call because they'll call you later and say, by the way, yeah, I would like to know. Well, what, just for just for a lark, what was it type of thing? That's people are curious, but I wouldn't go around forcing your views. And you've got to get your interpretation right. And there are three words that I would advocate people to use. There are three in all psychic, if you like to call it counselling um, or consulting or reading. Three crucial words. First of all, you are not. Before I get on to those three words, you are not a fortune teller because fortune telling won't necessarily help anybody and is a very superficial thing. You might and you probably will get some impressions about the future. But the key thing is how can I help this person with my impressions? That's all you're there for and nothing else. And the three words never to lose is I don't know. When I did this show on LBC, and I was told it was the most highly rated uh, radio show in London on a Saturday night, that show I did with the late Mike Allen, according to Ray Jar, if people know what that is. It was very popular, and people were phoning in, and we had a lot of psychics coming in. And I 
felt sometimes they didn't they these are people who would have done well some of the psychics to be better trained in how to help other people to use the knowledge they got having said that though if you did have counseling skills you have the compassion for others and the understanding of others and your psychic you can help them far more because you can access information that they don't even give you you can access information that they may not even know and this way you can really help them things that they are hiding now the the only thing i would add to that is that i think that counselors by the same token would also do well to have psychic training i think both are true i think a lot of th- psychotherapists out there would do very very well to unlock their psychic powers some excellent points there richard so helpful based on your years of experience very very <laughs> helpful indeed so now we have to move on to the third psychic power which can be used to help others as well as yourself and that is protection Richard, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think we might need some protection from our producer because I, I think <laughs> we might be halfway through the show right now. We're over halfway through, I'm afraid, yeah. So should we go to Nikki for any announcements she wants to make? Yes, let's do that. Well, thank you very much. I think you both must be very psychic. <laughs> That's very practical and inspiring words indeed. Thank you so much, Richard and Chrissy. You're listening to A Theorist Radio Live with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze discussing 10 ways your psychic powers can help others, which leads us very nicely into the announcement of a special Unlock Your Psychic Powers workshop to be held at the Temple in London on October the 7th from 10am to 5pm BST. As already mentioned by Chrissy, it is the 30th anniversary year of his international bestseller, Unlock Your Psychic Powers, and Richard will once again teach the tried and tested methods which have awakened thousands around the world to their psychic potential. For full details of this exciting and experiential workshop and indeed other activities held by the Ethereum Society at our centres worldwide, please visit ethereus.org. Now, sadly for us all, 12 Midnight GMT, October the 9th, sees the last hour of the third spiritual push for 2023, when we will send our heartfelt thankfulness to those great beings aboard this giant spacecraft we know as the third satellite when it leaves orbit of Earth, having flooded our world with much needed spiritual energy since September the 3rd. The special service to mark this last hour of the third spiritual push will be live streamed from the Ethereum Temple in London and will be conducted by Richard Lawrence. Please join us on October the 17th for the next Ethereum Radio live show when more subjects of essential interest to us all will be covered in this hour of truth. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to hand you back to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. So, Richard, I just asked you about uh, the third psychic power, and that was protection, and your thoughts about that. Yeah, I'm going to have to speed up a bit, aren't I, Chrissy? Because we've, <laughs> we've got seven more, actually eight to do. So, yeah, protection is a, can be a very specialist thing. It can involve uh, exorcisms. I think you've had experience of that, Chrissy, and I know I have. I don't think you should try that. I think you've got to be psychic to do it. There are some tragic cases, even of... Uh, People in churches who who don't realise about psychic powers who've tried that and come a cropper, 
trying it. But there are a couple of simple things anyone can do for themselves and for others. And they are blessing, the power of blessing, and also the wonderful practice, which you've talked about before, the violet flame, both of which uh, you could hear about. There's a brilliant lecture, actually, called Psychic Self-Defense by Dr. King. And I think the best thing I can do is refer people to that. Thank you. We come on now to psychic uh, power number four, which you described, Richard, as attunement. What do you mean exactly by that? Well, Dr. King once said, before you ever enter a building, you should really tune into it and you can know about it before you get there. And, and this is very helpful. And I think it's true with people as well. And so if you are attuned to people, to places, to animals, you become more aware of how they feel, what they need, how you can help them. Uh, it's just a very useful psychic ability. And you can do it through various means. And then you can come also more attuned to things psychic. And that's when you start to extend the senses. So there's a, a sense of, of, of psychic vision, which is called clairvoyance, of hearing, which is clairaudience, of touch. I mentioned psychometry briefly, uh, but I didn't give any examples of it. But certainly through touch, you can glean a lot of information. Uh, and we've had fantastic results with psychometry. I, I'll just give one example. I held a big workshop, you may have been there, Chrissy, at the Festival for Mind, Body, Spirit in London in the 1990s. We had about 150 people there. They were all new. And I brought some stones from a particular beach uh, to this that they didn't know where these stones came from. They didn't even know they came from a beach. And you wouldn't have known just by looking at them. They could have been from inland, from by the sea, from anywhere. We passed them around and I asked people to give their impressions through psychic touch, uh, which they did. I was expecting maybe some people would pick up the sea or something general, or maybe even the county they came from. Possibly that would be really good. One person put up their hand in the audience who I didn't know, didn't know anything about where these stones came from. A member of the public who wasn't a practicing psychic put her hand up and she said, these sto this stone I'm picking up Damer Bay in Cornwall. And that's where the stone came from, Chrissy. Oh, gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> now, if you know, if Yuri Geller had done that, which I, you know, or whatever one thinks of Yuri Geller, that's, that's a matter of opinion. But, or if some famous psychic had done it, that would be more impressive than bending spoons even. That, that would be something really impressive. But this was an ordinary member of the public. We'd done some attunement practice. I don't know whether you were actually there on that occasion, Chrissy, but I wasn't, we, no, no, we'd done some practices, people had attuned themselves, or it might have been the early 2000s, I might have the decade wrong, but it was a spot on result. And that just goes to show the potential of attunement. And then I mentioned taste with the wine tasting. I've got a funny taste in my mouth. What does that mean? That's a psychic impression. So and smell, of course. So all those abilities can be developed and you can become more attuned. As long as it's controlled, I've got to keep coming back to this, control, yogic discipline, concentration, it can be used to help others. The fifth psychic power you've identified, Richard, can be very useful to others in the case of bereavement. I mm. believe that though this is another specialist skill which can only be used with discretion. Would you agree with that? 
I do. Uh, and it's something that should be done very carefully because it's not a good thing. And this may upset some spiritualistically minded people to keep your relatives hanging around waiting for the next seance. You know, we, we're going to do a, a show in the future uh, from seance to science or, or channeling, which should be a science, not a seance, uh, because guy, people who've died aren't meant to be hanging around in order to help you uh, decide what to do with your garden and things like that. And I'm sorry, that is going on. But in cases of bereavement, it can really help. And I've had a, quite a few experiences of that. And the first one I had, which is in Unlock Your Psychic Powers, which I did tell Dr. King about, was very, very sensational, and I couldn't argue with it. By the way, one thing I want to say is that I chose to take the Unlock Your Psychic Powers tack, essentially, because I realized one thing. No matter what powers are demonstrated, and, and let's take Madame Blavatsky, who's a great hero of mine. I think she was an amazing person, and she demonstrated psychic powers, but she was still accused of fraud. No matter what you do, and then you have a, some a magician who says, oh, well, I can walk on water. They're using tricks to do it, and so they're saying, I can do what Jesus did. You'll always get people who debunk other people's demonstrations, even when they are true. But if you unlock your own psychic powers, then you know. Other people may disbelieve you. Who cares? You will actually know. That's the idea of my workshop, by the way. And that's you'll remember those workshops. And we've done a lot of them. Uh, and, and people walk in and they will have an experience, at least one, at least one. And they'll see other people having them. And then everyone in that audience at the Festival of Mind, Body, Spirit saw this woman find the location. Now, there may be people who thought, oh, that was set up, I suppose, if I think about it. But if, they did, if they're open-minded, and of course, it, I didn't know the woman at all, they will then see people having these experiences and they will have at least one themselves. And then they will know. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. So that happened to me uh, very early on, and I don't think we've got time to go into it probably now. We'll go into it if we have time at the end. But all I'll say is I was sent to Switzerland by Dr. King to, to meet an elderly member um, and help them over in Switzerland that Dr. King knew. And while I was there, I had a person who I could see them clairvoyantly, gave me his name, which I couldn't have known, um, he told me things I couldn't have known uh, and demonstrated beyond all doubt to me and to the person I was visiting that this was a real experience. So those things happened. But the only purpose of that actually was to prepare this elderly member, because it was his uncle, in fact, for his passing. So it can help uh, that way and it can help when someone is bereaved just to know, and I have helped quite a few people with this, that their loved ones still exist. Loved ones, when they die, a lot of them didn't particularly believe in life after death. They die, and then they really do believe in life after death. And so often they'll want to tell their relatives or friends, uh, loved ones, yes, look, there is, I'm still here. And that can help, uh, maybe just once. But I, I would make a habit of it. And it's not necessary for everyone, but in one way or another, it can help with bereavement. Absolutely. So Richard, the next psychic power you wish to talk about is very relevant to us all in different ways, and that is guidance. And by this, do you mean psychic guidance from a spirit guide here? Or are you talking about guidance from one's own intuition? 
Well, I, I want to put my hands up. And as I say, we're going to talk more about channeling in another show. But I made mistakes in the early days uh, of identity. I misidentified a couple of guides. I thought they were something greater than they are. It's a big lesson to me. It, it gave me tremendous sympathy and uh, empathy, let's say then, for guides because they have a very difficult – who'd want to be a guide, especially a guide of people who aren't listening to them or don't believe in them? It's very difficult. And so sometimes you know, somebody will get perhaps an impression of, of a great female healer around them, but they might be a Catholic woman, for example, or man, and they'll think it's the Virgin Mary. And does that guide then allow them to think that because – it'll help with the healing or do they try, you know, it's, it's a, these are difficult problems. But the one lesson I learned early on when I really got, it's very exciting when you start to develop psychic powers, by the way, it's, it's, it's really, you, you know, it's almost like you can't sleep at night. It's, it's really incredibly fantastic, especially when you're getting results, things you couldn't know. And you they're, they're provable, they're testable. And you think, my goodness, and you can fall into a trap, which I did briefly fall into, of stopping listening to my intuition. So I would put intuition to answer your question first, even over and above guidance from above, from a higher being or from a, someone from another realm, if you're able to get that, which you don't need to get, by the way. Most of the time, most people won't know uh, whether it comes from themselves, whether it comes from somebody else. They'll just get something. It'll come to them. It will be true. It will be helpful. And in many ways, that's all that matters. And as I said, on the, when I did the show with a lot of psychics, they seemed unable to say those three words, I don't know. You've got to be able to say that. I mean, I'll, it'll happen to me. I might get something. I might be driving along. And, and don't do this while you're driving, by the way. But something will sort of come to you and you'd note it, but you, you, you're, you're busy focusing on, the, on driving. And you don't know whether that came from outside you, inside you. If you develop the skill, the ability, which I did do, then you'll, you'll be able to tell the difference. But sometimes you can't, and it doesn't matter. But in the end, whatever you do, the thing that's most precious, most valuable, and which you should keep alive all the time, even when you are getting uh, psychic guidance, is your own intuition. Because you can get deluded by psychic guidance. You can make mistakes with psychic guidance. Guides can be wrong. Um, I've had guides, on one occasion anyway, who didn't agree with each other. They were both very, on the advice to be given, they were, they're both very good people and they're very good to each other, but they, they had slightly different views. One deferred to the other. So, you know, they are just people who, who uh, have passed on. Who are, they're not ascended, they're not masters on the whole. Um, and that's a whole different league. If you're in the position of Dr. George King, then you are receiving message from masters. But you know, average people aren't doing that. So you're getting messages from other average people who happen to be passed on. And they can be wrong too. So never lose your intuition. Great advice. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, so true in the beginning. You can give away your power very easily to... Uh, yeah, who you might think is a guy. Yes. Now, psychic power that I know really is a special skill, and we're going to be talking about in depth in a future show. It requires a lot of training, a high degree of discrimination, and that is channeling. So, Richard, you've done a lot of this. I know. What credentials do you believe should a medium have? How should 
medium should be used and, and what techniques are safe to be used in channeling and by whom? Yeah, so we're going to go into this in a lot of depth. So I'll just briefly touch on this. Personally, I don't think, and I will explain why in a future show, people should do trance mediumship unless they be an adept. And I know that sounds very dogmatic to say. Uh, It's after decades of consideration that I say it. Um, I think that Dr. King was extremely humble when he talked about trance, which he did in some depth, and he talked about positive trance and negative trance. But by positive trance, he really meant somatic trance. And he practiced yoga himself for eight hours a day for 10 years. And I, I don't know anybody else who's done that as simply as that. I just haven't come across anyone in the West. And that was on top of a job, by the way. Well, that's a comp- we've talked about that before. It's a completely unique thing. And under guidance, it has to be said, from cosmic intelligences too, who guided him as to how they wanted him to receive their communications. And he received a particular letter. He was taken to a, a particular teacher and so on. That's a one-off. That's a completely unique thing. So I think that those people who do channel, it's a specialist skill. I don't really even recommend it, although I do it myself. I, I'm not saying nobody should do it, but it's not something that everybody or most people should feel they have to do, I don't think at all. And there are some people who really shouldn't try it because the danger is obvious. The danger is you think you're getting a guidance, you think you're getting clairaudience or uh, uh, you're hearing a voice, and you're not. It's your imagination. And this is borderline schizophrenia if it goes far enough it's a a mental health condition so there are dangers attached to it but if you are going down that route i would go down the telepathic route um i would if you know use those three words i mentioned i don't know and say well look i don't really know where this came from uh whether it came from a guide whether it came from uh, me uh what or whether it's a mixture of the two and and be quite satisfied with that If, like me, you really, really, really want to go into this, then there's a lot of very strict disciplinary steps you can do, and and you should be practicing various forms of yoga, well, in my case, for decades. Um, You know, this this is a science, and we will talk about it in a future show. Yeah, you've touched on this, Richard, but do you want to say any more about the rights and wrongs of channeling? Yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario... Uh, and we see this in the um, ET uh, movement, uh, people who claim contacts with extraterrestrials. Sadly, very I would say, I'm going to say usually, actually, are not getting messages from extraterrestrials. They think they are. They might be quite dangerous. I mean, you'll remember, as I do, I think, Chrissy, Doreen Virtue. Yes. Who was, you know, I'm going to mention her because she's mentioned herself. This isn't something she isn't saying herself. She did... Uh, but I think very, she was about as, as well-known a channeler as you would get at one point, wasn't she? Yes. She and was. she was really big. And I, I was on the radio with her. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure you came across her. And she was a big speaker. And she's now completely renounced it all, as I understand it, and become virtually a born-again Christian, totally with the Bible, says it was all wrong. And even someone of that stature clearly wasn't properly trained Uh, And the danger is you'll just say whatever comes into your mind and you'll think it's right just because you say it. 
Um, the beauty of Dr. King, he tells you exactly what he does, how he does it, why he does it, what he has to do, what his training was. I think all psychics actually should put their channelers, should put their credentials. I put my credentials on my website. And, and people can obviously go by the content of what you get, but also by your credentials. Why should I believe this person? So the, the, the worst danger, coming back to the ET contacts who think they're getting people from other planets and aren't, usually they aren't. I'm not going to say never. Uh, obviously, Dr. King is genuine. I, I certainly believe Swedenborg in, I think it was the 18th century or late 17th century in, in Sweden, I think he had contacts with intelligences from this solar system. And I, there, it's in, one of them is in my book, UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message. It was, he didn't publish it, or he had it published posthumously because he didn't want to get into trouble while he was alive. But these are rare cases. I don't think they're very common. I don't believe people from the Pleiades and Sirius on the whole would be communicating with this planet. The, the communications would come from this solar system. And obviously, these are the intelligences closest to us, and they're more than equipped to give whatever messages are necessary on this earth, on the whole. But the danger being then, who are these intelligences speaking through people who think they're ETs? Are they themselves, their own imagination? Or even worse, are they some entity who's using them and pretending and is obviously a dark force or a bad entity, whatever phraseology you wish to use i'm not sure what the correct phraseology is nowadays but a bad entity and then you're in real trouble if you're getting uh, used by such an entity because I, I have found just very briefly i have found because i've channeled a lot of very literary people as you know it's one of the things i've specialized in like dante like tolstoy and so on and we have things on the spiritual freedom show and, and you can see them on my website it's altered my vocabulary and Nikki, the producer who works with me, knows that because I will come. I will have words in my brain that weren't there before. I don't even know what they mean. And the reason, and we have to look it up in a dictionary. We find perhaps it's an archaic word that isn't being used now, but it's exactly the word I'm looking for. I don't always use it because no, if I don't know it, nobody's going to probably know it either. But it's a, it, it, they're there, and this is an impact of. I think it didn't happen before. I channeled very literary people. Now, if you're channeling very bad people, likewise, that's going to leave an imprint on your brain for the worse, and it's going to do you harm. And that's just one thing. It could be much worse than that. You could be very, very seriously misled. So those are perhaps the wrong ways. Now, the right ways we will go into in a future show. Look forward to that, Richard. Uh, the eighth psychic power you listed, Richard, is, I imagine, very difficult, more rarely obtained, and that is remote viewing. Yeah, I'll just touch on that very briefly because of time. Uh, you can have remote viewing uh, on this earth. You can have, it, and I, it, I'm not a specialist in this. Some people have demonstrated it. You can also have remote viewing to another realm of earth. One person who did do this, if you can call it remote viewing, or she was certainly given images and pictures, was Madame Blavatsky, uh, who was shown, I believe, certain references that she used when writing The Secret Doctrine and other works. And some people have... have tried to use it actually in espionage, which is not recommended by people. I mean, military personnel of certain governments uh, because they think it could use, they could use it. That's, that's an example of how these things could be used for, the, for bad reasons, for warfare or something like that. But it is possible and it can happen. 
Thank you. And the ninth psychic ability you've picked out is timing, interestingly. Can, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, timing is very, very interesting. And, you know, it can be something quite petty down to something very important. Uh, with healing, it can be absolutely critical. I mean, Dr. King gives quite a talk about, about that. I mean, sometimes you don't know. And if you don't know, you, you know, don't let it stop your healing. So I'm waiting for the right time. Give your healing, whether it's the right time or not. But if you are able to time it, if you can pick exactly the right time to give a reading, for example, and it turns out that, gosh, you know, I've done this before myself, and it turns out I picked a date unknown to me that happened to be the birthday of the person I was giving the reading to. And it was a good time for them, and you would know this better than me, Chrissy, astrologically, to get that reading. So timing can work, but also you can get synchronicity, and a, there can be a lot of that. And I, I personally had a lot of examples of it. And because of timing factors, I can't really go into them all at the moment. But there are a lot of them, I can assure you. And they can be helpful. They can be very encouraging. Thank you. And now to our final and tenth psychic power, which can be used for the benefit of others. And it may sound to some a little vague, but you've called it advancement. What, what do you mean by that, Richard? I mean that this is an essential stage in your development in one way or another. And it doesn't have to be anywhere near the lengths I've gone to in it. You don't have to be give readings or take up channeling. But in one way or another, you've got to become aware of psychic attunement as part of your progress towards enlightenment. Then you will, at a certain point, detach from it. And as Dr. King rightly said, and we come back to his statement, you'll transmute it onto the highest plane and hold it there. And, and then you'll be beyond psychic powers. And you won't be working with psychic powers, but you, the, the paradox is you'll only get beyond them by using them. And that's really what I mean by advancement, Chrissy. Thank you so much. You've highlighted 10 psychic powers, Richard. Occasionally, their manifestation can be very physical. Do you have any examples of this? I I do, but I'm going to do a teasing comment here. I'm going to hold them <laughs> over to our next show when we do cover channeling, whenever that may be, which I think will be very soon, by the way. We'll do channeling and we'll come back to that question because I do think we are due to check in with our producer, Chrissy. Thank you very much for an excellent Thank you. Well, wow. How does one follow a broadcast like that? Thank you so very much, Richard and Chrissy, for giving such practical advice on how we can use our psychic powers to help others. Remember, 12 Midnight GMT, October the 9th, sees the last hour of the third spiritual push for 2023, which has been in orbit of our world since September 3rd. This potent last hour service will be live streamed from the temple in London and details on ethereus.org. And also a gentle reminder of that brilliant experiential workshop that will be taking place at the temple in London October the 7th, when Richard will be teaching you some of this very inspired thoughts and teachings. So on that note, and also please remember to join us if you'd like, please on October the 17th for the next Aetherius Radio live show when more intriguing and thought-provoking subjects will be covered in this Hour of Truth.
And if you'd like to find out more on the facts and uh, some of the publications mentioned in the show, as always, please visit our website. You can connect with your hosts, Richard, through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and also with Chrissy on her new website, chrissyblaze.com. So with that, we hope you have enjoyed the show. And thank you so very much for listening. And we look forward to your company next month. <laughs>